Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're here Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. Uh, I'm told by our dynamite duo of Casey McAllister and Brandon Seho that uh, that thanks are in order. I guess uh, over a thousand now subscribing on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Mm-hmm. I right. don't know anything about this whole thing, so that's a big deal, right? Yes, yeah. that's a great milestone to be at. All right, well, good, good. So thank all of you. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your enemies. But join the show. We'd love to have you. Follow us on social media: Twitter, Instagram. Facebook at Tom Brenneman TV. Tom Brenneman TV. Is it time to panic? Are you worried? Fair question. An 0-2 start for the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals against two teams, you know it, I know it, they know it, that don't belong on the same field, talent-wise. Does anyone believe that this team has a single good offensive lineman right now? Despite the organization going out and spending tens of millions of dollars during the offseason, Joe Burrow is barely able to receive the snap in shotgun before he's running for his life. Every single play virtually. He has been sacked 13 times in two games. 13 times. I mean, this pace is staggering. Six in the first, seven in the first game, six yesterday. And getting hit dozens of times, even when he's not sacked. Now, that's almost impossible. But it's true. You know why? Because we watch. But, of course, it was no big deal for these new starters, four of them, to ever work together during the preseason. No. The only player who plays as advertised on this team is Jamar Chase. That is it. Now, the defense was good enough to win the game. Second week in a row, you got to give them credit. Okay? You give up 20 points with this offense, allegedly, you're supposed to win the game. And then there's Zach Taylor. Excuse makers are running rampant in this town. But on off the bench, we are beholden to no one person or team in this town. The last two years, how many times did the Bengals come out completely flat and then have to come back with a miracle to win? Joe Burrow did it five times alone last season in the march to the Super Bowl. And that doesn't include... The postseason. They were not ready to play yesterday on either side of the ball. Period. End. They were not ready to play. And Dallas was ready to play. Then you get to the final two minutes of the game. I know, I know. This headset talk went out before the third and three play to Tyler Boyd. Some nonsense about they weren't expecting pressure. On that play. Now now give me a break. They weren't expecting pressure. Are you kidding me? 
You're not dropping back on third and 14 like we saw the Bengals do defensively. You rush three, and, and, and you make sure if a guy makes a catch seven, eight yards down the field, you make the tackle, and you force him to punt. It's third and three. They've already sacked Burrow at this point in time six times in the game. And you're telling me they're not expecting pressure? Headsets out? I mean, come on. Come on. Prior to the snap, and maybe they're saying because the headset doesn't work. I don't know. But prior to the snap, they don't burn a timeout. They let the play clock completely almost wind down to nothing. They weren't in any hurry-up mode to try and get down the field with this offense and give the best field goal kicker in the league. And make no mistake, Evan McPherson is the best field goal kicker in this league. The only time he ever missed is when they had a brand-new snapper and they didn't block somebody, right? It's playing not to lose or, at the minimum, playing for overtime. You could see this coming a mile away. Cowboys were going to get the ball back and they were going to win the game, and that they did. Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals have now lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Think about that for a minute. Still on the schedule, Baltimore twice, Cleveland twice, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, New England, and Buffalo, is it time to panic? We talked about it the other day. Since 1990, teams that start 0-2, 12% of the time, they have made the playoffs. Maybe they go 15-2. I hope they do. But boy, are there some things to fix down there. Next up, the New York Jets. And that game will be in the Meadowlands. And remember then, after that, it's four days later, they play the Miami Dolphins on a Thursday night here, and Miami is 2-0. and More on that later. Meanwhile, the rest of the division, stunning what happened yesterday. The Brownies give up 14 points in the final couple of minutes, losing to Joe Flacco and the Jets. Lamar Jackson puts up gaudy numbers in the air and on the ground, but they score three points in the fourth quarter. Tua goes off. The Dolphins score 28 points against the Ravens' defense in the fourth and win the game. And then there's the Steelers. They were dominated by New England and Pittsburgh. I know the score, it looks a lot closer than it really was, but every time New England had to make a play on offense or defense, New England made a play. So you have three teams in the AFC North that are 1-1. One one. Bengals are 0-2. Two. two good games tonight. Tennessee at Buffalo, Minnesota at Philadelphia. Big-time games. All right, on to the college front. Early on, Miami made it a game, putting a scare into the UC Bearcats, but ultimately talent wins out, and Luke Fickle's team beats Miami 38-17. to Indiana is next up on the docket. That's at Nipper Stadium. It's already sold out. The Ohio State University Buckeyes scored touchdowns on their first seven possessions. They didn't punt a single time in the game. They put up 77 on Toledo. C.J. Stroud throws five touchdown passes. They take him out of the game in the third. And I tell you, that Kyle McCord, uh, the backup quarterback, uh, is a good-looking player. I mean, 
I don't care if it's against Toledo or not. That, that, that kid can play. Wisconsin comes to Columbus on Saturday night. That will be the Big Ten opener for both teams. Wisconsin's got a good defense. Travion Henderson was seen in a boot after the game. And three defensive players that start for Ohio State did not play in the game. We'll see if they're back this week. Number nine, Kentucky remains unbeaten after a 31-0 shutout against Youngstown State. Northern Illinois is in Lexington on Saturday, and then it's right into the heart of the SEC with Mississippi after that. And congrats to former UC defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. This guy's a great guy. Everybody's rooting for him. Now the Notre Dame head coach gets his first coaching victory. Wasn't easy. A little bit ugly. But beat Cal. High-scoring North Carolina comes to South Bend this weekend. So, you're up to speed on a few of the things going on. Fellas, before we get to Brian Billick, and he's coming up shortly, we're going to talk with him about a number of different things. Um, about the Bengals, about an 0-2 start. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, uh, taking over for the injured Trey Lance. We feel terrible for Lance. You never want to see anybody injured, ever, ever, ever. And I guess, you know, it, it looks really bad. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about what happened at Arizona State. As you know, Brian Billick was hired uh, as an offensive analyst for Herm Edwards there. Marvin Lewis hired as a defensive analyst there. Uh, and ASU was just run over by an Eastern Michigan team that was like a 30-point underdog coming into that game, and they fire Herm Edwards. Maybe not necessarily a big deal around here, but nonetheless, uh, Brian Billick right on the inside. Uh, boys... I know you both watch the game, every single play. We're going to get into it in great detail a little bit later on. Um, we have Brian Billick coming on, as I mentioned. We'll review our picks today. Um, and we will also really break down in detail with Zim Hude. Can you imagine what kind of morning he's having, fellas? Zim Yikes. Hude. Yeah, not a very good morning for Zim. Is it a good morning for any Bengals fan? No, and Vach Lombardi, you had on last week yes. from, from... who the, called me an old man. He is checking in on the YouTube chat. He with, is? Yes, he is. with a bunch of... Vach uh, called me an old man, and now he's dialed in to, to, to our show? Yep, just to make sure that we know the Cowboys won. Oh, please, Vach. You said they were going <laughs> to lose. You're not that confident. Let's check this out here. Where He's got all the, all the smiley face and sunglasses emojis. He does? Yep. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me check this out. We got to get him back on For my main man, Potch. You know, we ought to get him back on today, let him brag a little bit. I mean, look at him. All smiley faces. Vach. Yeah. Yeah, he's there. Many of you are there right now. We thank you for being uh, tuned into the program. Yeah. Um, fellas, overall, and, and like I said, we'll get into great detail about this thing. I asked the question a moment ago, is it time to panic? Casey, Brandon, yay or nay? Well, first off, I would like to say um, prayers out to Drew Sample and his ankle. Okay. And, Fair uh, enough. I, I had a lot of hate for him uh, last week, so I just want to say that, that I'm looking out for you and praying for you, man. Um, but it is definitely time to hit the panic button, um, mainly because we've seen the same issues just continue to linger on and on and on i don't care that they made it to the super bowl it was an issue during the super bowl it was an issue during the playoffs it was an issue during the whole season last year and the years before that before joe even got there andy dalton was getting his ass sacked 
every single game constantly. This is an issue. The offense is stale. I've said enough. I've said my piece. Casey on one this morning. I'm not ready to panic just yet, but the issue that I have is that it's not just the offensive line. It is Burrow holding on to the ball too long. It's the play calling by Coach Taylor. It's the offensive scheme picking up blocks. I mean, it's not just one thing you can point to. I mean, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins didn't even get a target until the second half. No. And, yeah, I, I don't think it's time to panic. Highly concerned is where I'll go. I'll tell you the area, and again, we will get into this in great detail over the last 30 minutes of the program today, roughly 1130 to noon. I give the Bengals all the credit in the world for going out and spending an arm and a leg on a new offensive line based on what we saw last year. All the credit in the world. The one thing we heard that they would be very good at at the start of this year was run blocking. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. What's Burrow averaging? Three yards a carry? Um, let me. Check. He was let yesterday. It was three yards a carry. Well, him scrambling has been one of the uh, best offensive weapons since that playoff. Burrow scrambling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's scrambling for his life seemingly on um, every single play. I know a lot of you, like Mr. Seho here, uh, are saying not time to panic yet. And I knew today would be one of those days, having lived in this town for so long, growing up here, moved away for about 20 years, been back now for about 14, 15. I knew we would hear so much about, hey, they're only one game out of first place. And that is true. And somebody has to win this division. And whoever wins a division, obviously, will be in the playoffs. But here we were, me included, singing Cincinnati Bengals. That's a team we're going to cheer to victory. It's a good song. It's a great song. I'd love to hear it more. Well, we're not going to hear it on this program anymore. Mm. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know how it goes, right? Shame on me. Um, All right. What we'll do is is, uh, we will take a break, and when we come back, we'll visit with former Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're back in a minute. Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. It's a pleasure always to be joined for... A look around the National Football League, former Super Bowl winning head coach with the Baltimore Ravens, longtime television analyst as well with both Fox and the NFL Network, Brian Billick. Brian, good morning. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, The story comes out yesterday that uh, Herm Edwards, you've been doing some work for him out there at Arizona State, uh, is let go by the Sun Devils uh, after a loss over the weekend to go to one and two on the year. Uh, were, you, um, were you surprised? Were you shocked? What's been the reaction? Oh, nothing in this business surprises me anymore. Uh, Herm knew coming in, obviously, with all the things were going on at Arizona State, uh, that, that there was, you know, at this, this was going to be pending. Uh, obviously, a huge disappointing loss to Eastern uh, uh, Michigan. Uh, I think it just prompted Ray Anderson, the athletic director, to say, look, we, what it does do is it allows them to move forward now 
in looking for their next head coach. If, if you write it out during the season, we see this all the time in the NFL, that you, you do one of two things, particularly if you know you're going to make a change. You, you kind of surreptitiously behind the scenes go about laying the groundwork and reaching out to those who you're interested in, which is not fair to the guy that's in the job. Or if you do it this way, then it's, it's all above board. It makes it very simple. So from that standpoint, uh, it, it's a good thing. Uh, the challenge now is they've you know, kind of got to hold it together at Arizona State. Uh, they're now coming into the Pac-12 play. Uh, they have a capable team. They have a team capable of winning. Um, but but it's fi very fine margins, and, and they got to tap into that, and those kids have to rally around and now see if they can uh, acquit themselves a whole lot better with a tough schedule coming up uh, with Utah, uh, USC, and Washington. Um, you were in the college game for a long time before you went into the pro game, and now you're dipping your toe back in the water a little bit in the college game, and you've touched on it from time to time about the whole transfer portal thing, and we're going to talk with Barry Alvarez in length about that this coming Wednesday. But, you know, um, that part of it aside, you know, your, your thoughts on good, bad, or indifferent. But I know that, that Arizona State, you know, you lose some players, you gain some players. How hard is it when you're bringing in so many new guys? And Arizona State's not alone in facing this challenge of trying to mold a group together when you have so many, quote, unquote, new guys. It is hard. And if you watch over the weekend you watch college games and you listen to broadcasts, it seems like every play, well, so-and-so what just went for 40 yards, he's a transfer from such and such. And oh yeah, this transfer, you know, let's, let's begin with both the NIL and the portal. There are some positive aspects to it in terms of some of these huge amounts of money going to the players. Uh, and the fact that the players have some latitude to be able to move from one situation to another. It's got to, they've got to get it under control though. Right now it is, it is the wild, wild west. There are really no rules or regulations to it. I don't think it's good for football. And I don't think it would take a lot to get it a little bit more under control. We're clearly moving towards these super divisions. Um, uh, and, and that's fine. There are teams that are willing and capable of paying at a higher level compared to others. And that, that will find its level here as we go forward, but there's got to be some structure to it. I, I was very appreciative of Mike Krzyzewski uh, after the, the, the final four appearance and, and he's gone as kind of his farewell news conference, very insightfully as a Mike Krzyzewski would do, said, guys, we got to get this under control because this is not good. This is a mess. It's not good for college, basketball, football, whatever. It's not good for the players ultimately. And I'm talking about across the board. So somebody, some entity needs to step in. The NCAA seems to be feckless in this. Um, someone needs to step in somebody and say, okay, we're going to maintain the best elements of it to make sure that, that the students and the players are, are well represented, but we've got to put some kind of structure into it. All right, let's shift gears now to the pro game. Uh, you made the comment uh, before the first game of the year that uh, the teams that lost uh, there'd be a semi-panic mode. If you go to 0-2, there'd be a major panic mode. And there is a major panic mode right here in the home of the defending AFC champion uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Brian, th th this whole – I know you don't get to watch every single minute of every single game, but you pay attention to what's happening. The Bengals went out and spent tens of millions of dollars to fix an offensive line that allowed over 70 sacks last year. Through two games this year, Joe Burrow has been sacked 13 times. 
How do you fix it? Yeah, it's it's not easy. It begins with the personnel. And as you said, you, you, they thought they had addressed it, obviously, in free agency and, and, and the like. Um, you clearly have to go back and now, from a system standpoint, look at your protection schemes and when you're using them. Because obviously, and there's always a lot of debate, you know, quarterbacks will tell you they want as many out as possible. Five-man protection is fine. and I'll handle the hots. Uh, you can go the other way and make seven- and eight-man protections and, and, and pretend that the quarterback's protected, but then he holds on to the ball too long, and then somebody gets beat. So, you know, clearly they've got to go back and beyond just the players or even with the players saying, okay, here's who we have, and, and here's the kind of protection. I remember it was infuriating as a play caller. But when you're in Baltimore, my offensive line coach said, we, we cannot, I won't embarrass the player's name, we can't leave this right tackle without help, ever. Our protections have to go that way, the chip, the tight end. And that's very limiting for a play call. And, and it's like every time I have, can't, can I just one time go the other way and let him try to battle out? And, and the line coach goes, sure you can. You're going to get sacked, but you can do it. So, yeah, it, it, right now for the Bengals, they've got to get Joe Burrow comfortable. And, and, and to me, it would be via the protection schemes as to how are you employing them, how you change them up, what you're trying to do. Uh, because you're right, right now, how can he not, every time he drops back, look at the line going, am I okay? Which one of you guys is getting beat, and where am I going to get a rush? Does a quarterback get gun shy? Have you been through that experience where, I mean, it's almost at the point through the first two games of this year that every time they're in shotgun and Burrow catches the ball on the snap from center, that there is somebody on him almost immediately. Do quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, not middle-of-the-road guys, but do great quarterbacks sooner or later get gun shy? I don't know that I'd use the term gun shy. They become very mindful. <laughs> and how do you not have <laughs> this kind of, of issue and where is it's coming from? And that's not a good place to be. And so that goes back to, again, whether you're under center, whether you're in gun, uh, whether you're turning protection, whether it's a man protection, whether it's a zone protection, a five, six, seven, eight man protection, changing it up so people don't have a chance to, to get a beat on you. Um, it's it's got to be addressed. You just you just can't say, well, we'll just get better, you know, or we'll just have him get the ball out of his hand quicker. Well, that doesn't always work either, uh, because sometimes you may be rushing a read and you're leaving big plays down the field. So it's not an easy, uh, it's not there's not an easy answer, an easy fix. Uh, but there's things that you've got to do to approach it because you've got to get your quarterback less mindful of of that rush. Mindful. That's a good word. Very good word, mindful. I'm going to store that away. That's a, that's a billing word good. there, uh, no you, doubt. You, you learned that at Stanford, I think, uh, when you were there. Sure. That's right. <laughs> um, the Baltimore collapse yesterday. I still can't believe it, and I watched it. 28 yeah. points they give up after giving up 14 in the first three quarters. Brian, how does that happen? I'm not being facetious when I ask that question. I'm serious. How does that happen? Yeah, uh, and, and particularly with a team like the Baltimore Ravens, uh, because it's, you know, their the tradition of defense. They've got a new defensive coordinator. So, obviously, they felt like they needed to make some changes from last year. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that tradition carrying on. Um, what What is surprising to me as well is 
you know, the first half, the Ravens were, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, that group, they were on a roll. They looked really good. And in the second half, so you have to give – first got to give credit to, to, to Miami and what they were able to do. And they have some talent. I made I do some things with the Ravens uh, each week in film analysis. And going in now, Miami's got some talent to hurt you down the field with Hill and Waddle and mm-hmm. the second. So they're, you know, they have some talent. And to, uh, Tiger Vialoa is obviously kind of getting into a little bit of rhythm. Uh, Lamar Jackson was spectacular. I mean, ran for over 100 yards, which is typical. He was 21 of 29 for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. They didn't sack him. But in the second half, what happened, obviously, Miami chewed up the clock, which is uncharacteristic of a Baltimore game. And uh, and that defense just didn't seem to have an answer. So right now, defensively, what I see is they don't have that dominant pass rusher, so they've got to manufacture it. And the secondary, although the, the, their top you know guys, Humphrey is pretty good, but – you know, you got to be deep in your secondary. And and when you have three good, you know, options, as did Miami in Hill, Waddle, and Gusecki, then, then yeah, you're going to stretch it. So, yeah, that one, that one of all the weekend was probably the most surprising. I did not see the whole game. In fact, I'll be honest with you, after I saw the first half score, I said, well, this is done. Yep. And was shocked, shocked when I saw the uh, the comeback and then the overtime win, or the, uh, um, the last minute win. Yeah, um, we we talked about it, and and of course you say from the beginning, uh, uh, you know, our our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Trey Lance, young man injured, very serious ankle injury yesterday. Uh, but we were talking about this situation uh, before anything like that ever happened. About the whole going with the the, the number one pick over Garoppolo, who's won a ton of games. Um, I, Brian, I don't know how much you, you saw as far as just maybe highlights or replays or whatever it might be. I got the sense watching that game and the way it played out when Garoppolo came in and they win the game and he played quite well. I mean, not overwhelming numbers or stats, but that's not his thing. It's finding a way to win games. I just got the feeling that there was a shot of energy into that team and into that offense with him back as a quarterback. You agree with that? Is that fair? Yeah, and maybe a sigh of relief of, okay, now we're, you know, because they, they all, they like Trey Lance, and yeah, he's going to be good, and, and they're all in, but they're a pretty good football team. And, and this, you're exactly right. They ended up then coming back to a very typical, prototypical 49ers footprint where they ran – for almost 200 yards. Garoppolo was serviceable, not outstanding, like you said, but he didn't make any big errors. Uh, and they played good, solid defense. You know, they, they dominated. They had the ball for almost 38 minutes. And and so that that's, that's 49er football. That's the way they want to win. Garoppolo knows how to do that. And for the most part, avoid mistakes, which is key when you're going to win that way. Believe me, I, I know this formula. You know, the key is you can't turn the ball over. Uh, and, and they ran the ball 45 times. They'll take that footprint every single time, and Garoppolo knows how to work that game plan. Um, anything from the weekend jump out to you that I've not asked you about that you say to yourself, boy, that was an interesting situation there? Well, there's – oh, and actually we said every, every week there's the – you know, obviously Green Bay coming back, Chicago after a good opening win against that, that 49 we're just talking about. And Green Bay came back as usual – at home against Chicago, own them. Yeah, um, Dallas playing as well as they did with now their backup quarterback. That's that's notable against you know uh, again the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. 
was was pretty darn good. Uh, and so, you know, th- th- those games were no, as you know, I always put a heavy, heavy emphasis or read a lot into the ability to win on the road. So for Miami to win on the road in Baltimore, I think was substantial. Uh, I think the Jets being able to get a win on the road, and we'll see how good the Jets are going to be ultimately, but to be, uh, get on the road and, and, and have a big win, uh, uh, maybe a season-saving win, that seems silly to say with just two games in the books. Um, but, but that was substantial. And, and the New York Giants, I think, yep. appeared to be, even though that was a home win, seemed to be, you know, you, boy, the difference of having Saquon Barkley back, mm. you know, what that does for Daniel Jones. And you talk about having a formula, particularly in that division, that could be solid for them. That, uh, you know, so yeah, there were, as always, there's a lot of notable wins. You know, I just want to follow up on, on, on one thing and, and get your thoughts. Um, from the home crowd standpoint, it was really ugly in Denver uh, with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, they, it, it, there's a lot of booing going on. Uh, clearly, you know, they, they, they find a way to come back and win the game. So, you know, you're able to sort of smooth over some of the rough edges and all that kind of thing. Um, when a player leaves one place and, and goes somewhere else, you know, you would think there's a little bit of a honeymoon there, but in Denver, uh, they've been so down for so long, I think most people felt like with the skill position players, Wilson coming on board, the defense, that this was going to be a quote-unquote more impressive-looking offense, and they have not been an impressive-looking offense in any form or fashion. Yeah, when you when you go out and buy a player, you know, that, that comes part and parcel with it as well. I mean, the expectations, you'll – your loyalties will, will ebb and flow. I'm always reminded of the of the Seinfeld routine where he talk, He doesn't follow much pro sports. He says because you're just cheering laundry, right? It's just <laughs> putting jerseys on different guys, and you're either cheering for the laundry or you're not. Obviously, a lot of expectations for Russell Wilson, and all he has to do is come out and play the way Russell Wilson can. Uh, and but to have a 14 of 31 day uh, was not real good. Uh, and I also think a little bit has to do with, with the new coach in, in uh, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. There's been some questionable moves uh, uh, for a new head coach. I get that. Uh, but the fans, I think, the same way. Are, are, look, we're, we're all in. We've made these changes. Uh, uh, but now we got to look better. And if not, we're going to let you know. All right, before I let you go, um, if not if you were the coach of the Bengals, but if, if, if you knowing the game – uh, should Bengal fans be in panic mode after you lose to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush in the first two games of the year? Well, I don't, you know, it's too early to panic, but like I always say, you can kind of see it from here. <laughs> you know, it's, better, it's something to consider. I mean, as we say, every week it just ebbs and flows, and now they go on and play a New York Jet team that, that feels energized. And they said, come off a big win. Then they got to play Miami, who looks to be the real deal. Uh, and then they got to play Baltimore. So, so yeah, it's not so much, am I going to panic now? But the next, this win, game against the Jets is huge. You got to stem the tide. Because if you don't, and, and the Jets are certainly, and they're at New York, you know, so it's on the road. Uh, if they don't, then, then they got a pretty stiff test the next two, and all of a sudden, so it's easy to zero and two and go. Well, let's not panic. We're we're okay, but all of a sudden you can see a path to to zero and five, and that's not good. 
No. And, that's, and then you start hearing, you know, the statistics of what an 0-3, an 0-4, an 0-5 team, and what are the odds of the playoffs and this, that, and the other. And, and uh, which is, you know, you, you can certainly be the exception, but that doesn't mean the talk isn't going to be centered around that. So it is a, it, it's, a, it's a tough environment to work in. This is a huge game, as they all are, but this is a big game for the, uh, for the Bengals uh, at MetLife Stadium against the Jets. And by the way, you know, I, I got to tell you, I mean, um, I wasn't ready to throw in the towel on the guy yet because um, he hadn't gotten a ton of playing time. But Flacco looks like if you give him a chance to make some plays, he can still make some plays. Flacco's a capable quarterback. He can make all the throws. He's a smart, uh, he's a good, tough, physical. You're right. If you surround him with the right people, well, you can say that about anybody, really. But he has that. It's a Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback and 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 he is capable with the right people around him and, and you got to play good defense it's got to be the total package yeah but no Joe Flacco is a capable capable quarterback he's proven that and he certainly showed it the other day and and I tell you what that Garrett Wilson kid uh, I, I said it when he was still at Ohio State got his first two touchdowns in the NFL yesterday that guy is going to be a great player if he stays healthy I mean what what a talent yeah. Brian all yeah, the best my friend thank you so much for your time it's great to see you buddy and by the way um, I talked with Laura Oakman last night for the oh, first time bad. in forever. And the three of us were together for many, many years uh, covering the NFL on Fox. And she told me to send you uh, her very best and all of her love. Absolutely. Love to, love to, uh, she and her husband, Mike, great people live in Nashville now. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to reach out to Laura. It's great to hear from her. Yeah, she's getting ready to go to London for the next two weeks. They're oh. sending that crew to London for two wow. weeks. That's just quite a trip. Yeah. That's a pretty good day. It's not bad. All right, buddy. Be well. That. Have a great day. We were, we were always in Jacksonville. You got a good point. But, but, but then again, I mean, Jacksonville right now doesn't look all that bad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's all right, right. man. All right, buddy. See you. Brian Billick, uh, always great to have it. The guy's the best, man. The guy's is the best. I mean, not only is his knowledge of football, but just as a guy, he's just the best. Speaking of not the best, what, 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 what in the hell are you over there clapping about? Just because you, we're going to unveil in a minute, you were in, you're in first place in the picks? Again? Uh, by one game. Come on. Hey, you, Tom, you just you're, heard you're Brian Billick. You just heard yeah. Brian Billick. It's not panic mode yet, and I'm not in panic mode. Hey, you're the one talking all that smack to start this, and I think you're in the basement, if I'm not mistaken. My man yeah. Votch just wrote us on um, on uh, YouTube. He says, you didn't lose to Cooper Rush. You lost to Micah Parsons and the crew. Uh, touche. Fair yeah, enough. He's right. LC Fair lost enough. to Micah Parsons. Um <laughs> Here we go. Jeff line. says offensive line personnel is not the problem. Offensive line coach is the problem. I, I don't know if I buy that or not. They, they, they say the offensive coach down there is uh, line coach is very, very good. Um, the real spirit says can't find anything good to say about Cincinnati pro sports at this moment. FC Cincinnati, right? Yeah. They're, FCC they're fighting for a playoff spot. Are they? Yeah, and they look uh, like they're going to be in the playoffs, I believe. Okay, good yeah. for them. That's exciting. And not to plug in uh, our other show, not too picky, but we did hit on our uh, our goal bet. It was two and a half scores for that game. We hit it. So really, yeah, nice. Paul Frischner. 
Paul's call, on his game. Yeah, we called it FCC with Paul's two goals on his game. Salt Lake with one. Is he is he on the air today or no? He is on the air today. At what time? Two o'clock? Yes. Okay. All right. You want to make sure you tune in on that because the guy's on a pretty good roll to start the year. Um, we'll find out who's on a good roll around here. We're going to give you our uh, review of our picks when we come back. We're going to have um, our top five power rankings in both college and the NFL. And we'll have our top five performers of the weekend, both on the collegiate front and the professional front. That's coming up next on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Time for our top five power rankings. We begin in college football. The Georgia Bulldogs, they might be better than they were last year. I mean, they go to South Carolina. And, and by the way, how about the South Carolina coach? Did anybody see this? Come back to me for a second here on this thing, and then we'll put this back up. Did anybody see this thing about, uh, uh, about um, the women athletes and celebrating Title IX and Beamer standing there on the sidelines screaming about get off the field? Did anybody see this? I did not see this. Did you see this, Brandon? I did. Uh, was he trying to rush the, to get the play yeah. call in? That's what it was? Well, he it was wanted coming to have a timeout. I did, he wanted I, the game to get I just back saw it on Twitter in passing. I didn't really I mean, look into it I mean, come on. Good Lord. That was ridiculous. But his team got their asses kicked, and, 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 and that's the end of the story. Um, so we move on. Top five. Number one, Georgia, they look great. And the quarterback looks great. The defense looks great. Uh, they are really good. You got Ohio State. Uh, they get Smith and Jigba back. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud. Every time you turn around and they put a backup player, Mayan Williams, a kid from Winton Woods, a running back, is just phenomenal. And then the, the, the third string guy they bring in, I'm not so sure he's not better than all of them. So they're number two. You got Alabama number three, right? Crimson Tide looked pretty good. Uh, I hesitate putting Michigan in at four. They're, they're blowing out everybody, but they don't play anybody. I almost left them out just because they haven't played anybody. Um, but they're undefeated. They play Maryland to open the Big Ten this week. They'll win again this week. Uh, and then there's Clemson, undefeated. So there you have the top five college rankings. Now the top five performers over the weekend, individual performers we're talking about here now. And boy, were there some good ones this weekend. All right, we'll get to the college guys. Here we go. C.J. Stroud. I mean, look at that. He has many touchdown passes as he had incompletions. That's just stupid. I don't know how in the world Michael Penix Jr. Uh, gets out of Indiana. The kid got hurt, was great two years ago. I, I, I don't know the whole backstory, so maybe there's just something I don't know about it. But this kid should be playing for Indiana. And Washington annihilated Michigan State. And Penix was fantastic. Uh, Aiden Robbins, UNLV, runs for 227 yards. Great comeback story in this um, Ibrahim kid. He's leading the nation in rushing. He was injured all of last year after a great year the year before. He is some kind of player and going to be a great pro. Um, and then 10 receptions 
for 213 yards by Jamari Thrash. Good for him. Okay, now the NFL. And it's time for our power rankings in the National Football League. My son Luke and I argued over these last night. He did not like it. And I told him, I said, look, I'm not saying who's going to be the best five teams at the end of the year. That's not the deal on this. This is simply where they are right now after one in some cases or two games. Bills, without a doubt, number one. Chiefs, without a doubt, number two. Miami completely dismantled the New England Patriots, right? Then they pull off the miracle in Baltimore yesterday. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their offense has not cranked it up yet. They will. But that defense, they are good. They are good. And then there's Minnesota. Vikings playing a big game tonight at Philly. That's a good game. Doubleheader tonight uh, on ESPN slash ABC. Talked about the other game, Tennessee and Buffalo. That's a good game. So uh, a lot to look forward to later tonight. And our top five performers over the weekend, heavily weighted in favor of the Miami Dolphins based on that offensive production and getting 28 points in the final quarter to rally and beat the Baltimore Ravens. They were down 35-14 to 14 and won this game. Tua, six touchdowns. He threw two picks. Talked about Flacco a minute ago. This guy is still very capable. Now, Lamar Jackson throws for 437, four touchdowns. He runs for over 100. But you know what he didn't do? They didn't do anything in terms of scoring points in the second half. So you can put up all the numbers in the world. They, they get a drive and kick a field goal here. Maybe another drive, kick a field goal there. We're not talking about Miami coming back and winning that game. And then there's the duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They're going to be here in Cincinnati a week from Thursday night. Tyreek Hill. And I watched the game with my son and my dad yesterday. I told my dad, I said, Tyreek Hill is the single best athlete I have ever seen with my own eyes in person. His rookie year, I did two or three Kansas City Chiefs games on Fox. When you go to their practice, and they alluded to it yesterday during the game. I can't remember who was calling that game. But when you watch him run around, he moves differently than everybody. What an athlete and what a pickup for the Miami Dolphins. Okay, fellas. You can go ahead and start, you know, sticking out your chest. Whole nine yards. Let's go to our uh, picks over the weekend. Review our picks over the weekend. And where are we starting? College? Yep, college first. All right. We all picked the Bearcats. Nope. Yep. Just Don't cover. One point. Yeah, but that's why they're in Vegas making all the big bucks. Yeah, unfortunately. Right? That's why they're in Vegas making all the cash. Okay, next up, Buckeyes. Winners across the board. Yep. 77 points. 77. <laughs> and they took the starters out in the third quarter. Yikes. Touchdowns on their first seven possessions. And I thought I was worried about Toledo for a minute. I Nope. Shouldn't have been. It, it is a little concerning about this Travion Henderson thing, though. He was seen in a walking boot after the game. Do we he, know what the official injury is? Do not. They did not say. I'm sure it'll come out today. Uh, and then they had three starters on defense uh, that did not play. Hall, very important part of that defense. 
but apparently, as far as the defensive guys are concerned, Ryan Day did say if it was a quote-unquote, you know, uh, game like this weekend against Wisconsin, that all three would have played. Okay, so we all go with the Buckeyes. They cover easily. Next up, Kentucky, a shutout. Brandon? I know. I, I, L. I took the L on that one. It's all right. It's yeah. a good you were just trying to be different, honestly, right? Yeah, I, you know, I believed in the Penguins, the Fighting Penguins. I tell you what, man. I needed a touchdown, and I was good. Kentucky has Northern Illinois this weekend. And then they play, if I'm not mistaken, I looked at the schedule last night. I think they play Ole Miss, who's ranked 15th in the country. And then you're going to get right into the teeth of that SEC schedule, the SEC East. And, of course, Tennessee is ranked 15th. Right, you've already beaten Florida if you're Kentucky. You know Georgia's sitting there down the road. Kentucky undefeated, ranked number nine in the country. Next up. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm picking <laughs> with my heart. Right. Uh, they don't cover. Brandon gets a lone win there. Thank you. To take away from the L yeah, a minute I, ago. I totally had complete faith in you. No. And I No. Bad move. It was a bad very, move. very bad move. And I tell you, um, their out-of-conference schedule is, is too much. It, it really is. You're playing Penn State. You're playing Iowa State. They've got somebody else who's really good out-of-conference again this weekend. Their schedule is much better than Michigan's. Well, that's how you get paid. <laughs> I understand that. But, I mean. Oh, Mich Michigan's out-of-conference schedule was like a. Yeah. I I mean, I, what a joke. I'm pretty sure I saw a graphic that they had the 131st, like, weakest strength of schedule for Michigan. Yeah, yeah. and this is one of the top five brands in college football. Maybe top three. I think as far as just straight brand is concerned, I know that Alabama has had more success, obviously, than Michigan and all the national titles under Saban. Mm -hmm. But as a brand... I think Michigan is as big a brand as any school in college football. Same with Ohio State. All right, next up. Straight across the board, Georgia looks fantastic. We yeah. talked about that a minute ago. They All look, wins. Yeah, they look like the number one team. Yeah, they, they for sure they do. There's yeah. no doubt about it. It's probably going to end up being Georgia, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama at the end of this thing. Yep, but probably right. Probably right. Although there are a couple others I wouldn't uh, sleep on quite yet on that deal. Um, okay. And is that for, it for the college front? Yep, that is. So we all did pretty well, right? Uh, I had one loss. Brandon, you had one loss. Casey, you had one loss, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. uh, I, think, I think that is... No, two losses because we had UC. Yeah. Okay. So not too bad in the college game. Now the Homer Show. How for the Homer Show. Now is where the tide turns. Oof. Second week in a row. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Cross the board. Okay, next up. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. Let's go. That was an awesome game to watch. I loved it. It was just amazing watching Joe Flacco just tear up the Browns at the very end there. How about the onside kick? That's as good an onside kick as I've ever beautiful. seen. I... It... it I watched that at a Cleveland Browns bar. Tough, tough to watch. I would love 
to be able to tune in to Cleveland Sports Radio today. <laughs> there, you know, you, you talk to guys uh, who work in Cleveland, and they'll tell you, you can be in June, and the Guardians, formerly the Indians, um, are having a great year. Back in the days when LeBron was there and they were playing into June into the NBA semis and finals, and I've had a couple of guys that work sports radio there that tell me you're lucky to get five calls on either one of those things going on. Said, but you start talking about the Brownies, and they will just that, – that, that, that switchboard just lights up. Well, yesterday was the perfect example of why the Browns are the Browns. Yeah. I mean, I, I, know, I know Deshaun Watson's not playing yet, so there's an asterisk next to some of these games, but they were up, what, 13 or – 10 yeah. with yeah. minute 40 to go, two yeah. minutes to go. Brissett played pretty I was getting ready to say, he played yeah. pretty, and he ran the ball well, right? Yeah. Chubb? They had, they had yeah, oh, Chubb was killing it on the ground game, and then they just had the, the botching coverage on that deep touchdown. Onside kick was perfect. Yep. And, uh, and then Flacco just yeah. boom, boom, boom. He really looked good. Uh, and now, look, he did nothing until the last two minutes, basically. But, uh, I, again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Garrett Wilson is going to be a phenomenal player and we got to play the Jets this weekend that's uh, exactly right it's <laughs> exactly right all right next up Ravens right yep there you Let's go case go, Miami I had complete faith in them all the way till the end all the way through Tua looked awesome he looked incredible dude now no, no, wait a minute okay I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that the cat threw six touchdown passes you could have made a couple of those throws late in the game. Guys, Tyreek Hill standing there wide open with not a guy within 20 yards of him. That was a total collapse. I mean, it, yeah. of epic proportions by the Baltimore Ravens. All we heard during the offseason was this secondary is one of the best secondaries ever. Yep. We're getting Marcus Peters back. Marlon Humphrey's going to be healthy. We got new safeties in the backfield. And then they give up 500 yards to, to mm -hmm. Tua, who couldn't throw past 10 yards last year. Mm -hmm. Well, they got Waddle, and they got uh, Tyree Kill. Okay, Casey, nice pick there. I just spilled water all over myself, but it's <laughs> nothing new. Um, you guys believed in New England. I thought the Steelers at home. Uh, we're going to do it. And you guys get wins there. Yeah. Bill Belichick v. Mike Tomlin, two future Hall of Fame coaches. Yep. And the Steelers' offense is just pitiful. Yeah. That, that's what it boils down to. They yeah. probably could have won that game because the Patriots' offense is pretty pitiful, too. Yeah. But it was that muff punt, right, at the very end there? That, no, that was yeah. brutal. Yeah, I felt bad for the kid. I always feel bad for any player. I don't care if it's a, if it's a Pittsburgh player or not. I, I feel bad when that happens to guys because you know those guys, by and large, are guys that are hanging on to play in the league. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, Botch just keeps, you know, lighting it up here. Okay, and then uh, now this game. Oh, my goodness, this oh game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> The Raiders stink. I, how do you, so my question is, Devontae Adams gets targeted seven times and he only catches two passes yeah. for like two yards? Yeah. Well, I understand he got the game-opening touchdown, whatever. How is that even – how do you not target him like 14 times a game? The dude's the number one receiver in the NFL. 
I mean, they were blowing out the Cardinals. Yeah, people were popping the champagne in the club seats. You should have heard me. I was going, the Raiders, uh, all day yesterday. (laughs) And then I'm sitting there after the game watching the Cardinals in overtime. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe they they got to overtime to begin with. That one, uh, it ended up being a penalty, right? The Kyler Murray's like running around. He avoids a couple sacks, and they get the penalty for the first down. That was amazing. Then the touchdown throw, even better, including the fact that it was A.J. Green. Yeah, how about that, that. A.J.? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, But how how can Hunter Renfro fumble it twice in overtime? Well, and we almost almost had the drop at the goal line. I'm like, I get celebrating, and I haven't obviously played at a high level of football like that, but – how can you not just hold on to it hold for on another to yard way for another yard? It was that close. You literally have one more step to celebrate all you want because the game is over the second you cross that goal line. I mean, you can celebrate from now until or, or from from then until now. Yeah, and, and you got to go into the celebration almost before you break the plane. Almost. Okay, but good call, Brandon. Good call. Hey, yeah. I, you know, I believe in out in the desert out there. I don't I, at all. I, Not yeah. at all. If anything, I think this says more about the Raiders than I it agree. does Cardinals. I agree. Raiders are just not very good. Um, I don't think. Cardinals aren't either. Okay. Um, was that it for yesterday? No, we had one other game, I think, didn't we? Or is that no, it? That's uh, it. Okay, so where are totals. we in our season tally here? All right. Brandon, solid six games over. Casey is solid four over. Uh, I'm a solid, uh, solid is not the right word, shaky, teetering, uh, four under, but plenty of time for that to change. Once we start getting a read, as Dennis Green once said, we, they are what we thought they were, or they were what we thought they were. And we let them get away with it. That's right. The let them get away with it. So I've let you guys kind of get away with it here. Right. First couple of weeks. All right. We'll just keep hearing that throughout the year, right? Yeah. No, because there will be a rally. You're not hitting the panic button is what you're not saying. Not at all. I mean, not at all. I mean. Your offensive line's kind of shaky so far. It's play calling the first two weeks. Uh... Well, what I've done is picked a couple of teams, much like the Bengals, that, that, that should have won. I mean, let's be honest about it, right? Well, we are on the same line. That doesn't Cleveland even give you. Cleveland and Baltimore both should have won their games yesterday. You're believing in Cleveland. That's the issue. No, the... I'm just saying. They both should have won the game. They coughed it up bad. The favors. The favorites. Yes, of both games. of them should be 2-0. and uh, And luckily for the Bengals, they're not. Uh, but I just keep getting back to this Bengals schedule. Casey, you pointed it out before we went on the air. Because I had forgotten about the Thursday night game. And Brian Billy yeah, just talked about that's it. That's rough. And how about the perspective that he put it in? And, and we're, again, we're going to circle all back to this in the 1130 hour. Because it's the only thing anybody in town is talking about, and that's the Bengals being 0-2. Um, but, 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 but how about when he put it in the uh, – put it out there that what if you go 0-3? What if you go against Miami now back on a Thursday night 0-4? What if? Uh, Those are some terrible what uh, ifs. You know, yes, they are. Yeah. Some terrible was what? 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 Uh, Casey's getting hungry. Yeah, I was breakfast. getting. Uh, Is that like a I subliminal was, thing there? The the, the do- <laughs> were those donuts? 
Yeah, subliminal message from UDF. Your donuts just, make just right me there. go nuts. We used to do that with a guy in, uh, in our fraternity house years ago. He loved to eat. Big guy from Upper Arlington. And we would just whisper kind of, you know, r r like in the background. What frat know? were you in? Donut. Donut. And, and then just kind of keep on with the conversation. Uh, beta, theta, pi. Nice. First in the hearts of men. All right, when we come back, um, I I'm hoping Zim Hude's coming. Has anybody heard from him? I have not heard from I've him. I've seen yet. him on Twitter. He's on Twitter. I know that. All right, well, he and I were texting last night, making sure he's coming on. And uh, I followed that text up after he gave me a yeah at um, 11.30 or 11.12 last night. Uh, and I said, well, we're going to send you the link. Can't wait to have you. Is that cool? I follow up again. <laughs> 9.12 this morning. He's still on Twitter spaces. Yeah, is that cool? still on Twitter spaces. And then I followed up again at 10.43 this morning. Hey, is that cool? So we're waiting. We thank all of you who are watching on uh, YouTube. And again, uh, thanks for all uh, of you who hit the button subscribe, over a thousand. And, and we haven't even had our second full week of shows. This will be the first or the second full week of Monday through Friday. You can follow us on Twitter at Tom Brenneman TV, Facebook, Tom Brenneman TV, and Instagram, Tom Brenneman TV. I'm learning from Brandon and, and, and Casey uh, how this whole social media thing works. I actually sent out my first couple of tweets yesterday during the game. Do you like it so far? Uh, you know what? I can see how uh, I was talking with Trace Fowler, our executive producer and CEO. I can see how people get wrapped up in that world. Yeah, it's, it's very addicting. Especially, no question. Especially when you get a little momentum from a couple other people outside of yeah. your following that just – they're either like Cowboys fans and they'll say something back to you. And then you're having an argument with someone that you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know their true name. Yeah. Or you're getting just the fans in general to like what you're saying. And they all feel the same way you do. Here's it's what I can't understand. Why in the world or how in the world do you guys get these? Uh, and again, I am brand new to this whole thing where all of a sudden um, someone will like a tweet that I sent out and they're following all of you guys are following, you know, all these big Cincinnati uh, connection sort of mm -hmm. uh, accounts. And it, 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 it's some woman inviting you for nude photos. What is the deal on that? I'm being serious about this. Where does that come from? They're just bots trying to get you to. What the hell are you laughing them? at, Brandon? <laughs> I'm brand new to this thing, and all of a sudden, I, I've got some beautiful woman on there that's talking about <laughs> photos. It's just a bot trying to get your money, and they'll do anything, including photos and. Brandon, like what that. in the hell are you laughing at? It's just a interesting segment as we go to break. <laughs> I'm not getting myself in any trouble here. I, I'm asking a very sincere question. No, I mean, it, it, genuinely, it genuinely is to he, try to trick people to try to get their money. Okay. That's all it is. All right. Okay. It bothered me a little bit. It's everywhere. It's rampant. I guess it is. I guess it, it's all new to me. And, um, and so I'm just you're, you're try asking for a little help. And you, you're over there laughing. And you think this is I don't know what. And, and, and um, I'm here to help. <laughs> not really all you're doing is sitting there and you're laughing i 
Have I not helped you with your social media? Game? Yes, you have. Okay. And I appreciate it. Yep. Okay. Don't I, click on the links. I, Don't click no, on no, it. No, 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 definitely not. Um, all right. Um, I'm hoping we have Zim Day when we come back. Uh, if not, we might have to just get into some other things around the NFL, including that brawl yesterday. The, the Tampa Saints Bay game? and the Buccaneers. Oh, my gosh. I got a story about that. Um, so we'll see if Zim Hude is with us when we come back off the bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, time for the Bengals report brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop and, of course, to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. We invite you to visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Okay, after the game, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. Here you go. No, because people are going to look back at two games last year and say something very similar. You know, and, and uh, so these, these reactions always happen when you lose a game. It's a long season. That's what we tell our players. We're just going to take ownership in these losses and continue to get better. Um, you know, we, we know that we have a good football team. We've shot ourselves in the foot a little bit early on here in two games. Uh, long season yet to go, and, and our guys are going to continue to improve and play better and, and get some wins. Did you feel comfortable in the pocket back there? Did you feel like with a lot of the pressures going on, it was kind of hard to, to get a comfort going early in the game? Second half, I thought the, the protection was great. You know, they... They have a great rush. I mean, one of the, I would say, top two or three best rushes in the league. They got Demarcus Lawrence, Micah, and they do a really good job with their picks in games, too. And so, you know, early in the game, you're going to have those. And, you know, I can do a better job of getting the ball out quickly. But I thought, for the most part, we protected the ball well in those situations. And that was my goal this week. Um, and in the second half, I thought, you know, offensive line protected great. We kind of warmed down in the run game and then. And you know, we're able to, to have some more time in the pass game. And that's what comes off of that. When we're able to run the ball well, and then they might be thinking run. And so then they're not so quick to, to get into their pass rush. And so the second half, you know, was, was more efficient, better for us. But we just need to, to prolong that throughout the entire game. Okay, so there you have it from some of the uh, two of the uh, participants, head coach Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. Um, the best run game the Bengals had yesterday was Joe Burrow and having a scramble for his life. That's been the story of the first two games outside of one mix and run on that fourth down and one against the Steelers in, in the first game of the year. You know, seven, eight, nine-yard run here or there, but averaging three yards a carry. The reason the, the, the Cowboys uh, did not have the same pressure was also due to the fact that much like the Steelers game, the Bengals possessed the ball nearly the entire second half. Their guys got tired and, and just got worn out, uh, but not worn out enough to make a play when it mattered, uh, especially on that final drive and that, that, that third down and three. Just Are we waiting for Zim? We are still waiting. So why don't we just discuss the okay. game? All right, let, all right then let, let, let's break it down for a minute until he gets on. And where, where, where do you guys want to start? There's a lot. Okay, well, go ahead. 
pick something and we'll, we'll start it and we'll get it rolling. I, I want to start with the coaching decision. And it could not, it might not be a coaching decision. It could be just a player's ineptness. I, I'm trying to use a, a, a nice word about this. To let Micah Parsons free, not just once, not just twice, but three or four times in the game, off the edge, uncontested. Yep. You want me to translate? Lyle Collins had a rough game. Mm. It, I, it, it, he did. He had a terrible game. And you know what's interesting is a couple of those times, I think it's safe to say, and I think Tony Romo pointed this out, is that when you have a brand-new offensive line, now, Collins was nicked up a little bit during the preseason, so I don't know how much he would have played even if they wanted him to play in preseason games, which they wanted none of their other starters to play in preseason games. Uh, and, and I know some of you feel like, boy, are you ever going to let it go? The answer is no, I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to let it go. You have four brand-new guys out of five on an offensive line, and through the history of football, we had Anthony Munoz on this show last week, Communication is the key. And a couple of those times, Casey, to back up your point, and Brandon, uh, Collins takes the inside guy, Parsons the outside guy, clean rush to Burrow. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah, and then I, I would like to get to the next point. Because, um, you know, that's just unacceptable, right? That's like, there's, there's no, there's no uh, game plan that should ever involve that if it was a game plan which i think i saw something that it was actually just lyle collins making a mistake mm -hmm. but anyways when when zach taylor was asked how comfortable is joe in the pocket he says he's fine he's good the very next question that was asked was about the sacks and he says oh we're giving up too many of them that's a contradiction. That's uh, that's someone that is saying like Joe Burrow's not feeling comfortable getting sacked six times. You need to say that that he's not comfortable in the pocket. And I I get Taylor has had some real doozies in press conferences, but some of the things that he says after two losses back to back like this, I mean we're we're on record pace for 119 sacks in a season. 119. Yeah. I don't do math in public because I'm not any good at it. But I just sat right down here and did the old-fashioned longhand math, and that's 119 sacks over 17 games. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective, the 20 games that we played last season, we had 70 sacks. Most in the league. Most in the league. So that's like almost 50 more sacks. Which is impossible it's to impo put in perspective. It's impossible. The thing that I hate the most about the whole offensive line conversation, though, is that, oh, this is one of the greatest defenses we'll play all season. It's one of the best defensive lines we'll play all season. That always seems to be the theme, and everyone in the league has a good pass rusher. It just That's where we're going. That's the trend. we got to figure out some way to either get creative and I mean like not to mention just the rush game is just completely bland yeah I mean you look at teams like San Francisco who have a a mild quarterback situation and they're able to get 200 yards like that yeah 
it, it, that should be all the Bengals are trying to do is figure out something. They can't figure out anything right no, now. No, and, and by the way, uh, that vaunted pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys, and you talk about an offensive line that's either beat up, hurt, or uh, playing brand new guys is Tampa Bay in front of Tom Brady. The first game of the year, Dallas sacked Brady two times. Twice. Okay, 41-year-old, 40, what is he, 44? He's 45. 45, out there running around, and he gets sacked twice. You got to protect that brand-new face. Well, somebody told me the yeah. other day they thought he had something done. It was me. I don't me. believe it. I don't it, believe it. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, I know you said it, but since you said it, I asked somebody um, if they thought that was true. Two people I asked, two women, my wife and another friend of ours, a neighbor, Kathy Robinson, huge sports fan from Boston, used to love Brady. Now she can't stand him because he left. We went to the uh, Marymount Indian Hill High School football game on Friday night together. And, um, and one said yes, worked on. The other said no. All right. Still knows him. Still knows him. All right. So, uh, Brandon, um, you have not weighed in on all this. Your concerns. The concerning part is that it's not just one thing you can point to. It's the whole operation on offense, whether it be play calling, whether it be uh, the offensive line, Burrow being comfortable, scheme with the offensive line and the play calling. I mean, there is – it's all over the board. And I'm not here saying let's panic right away. I said – I think I said highly concerned earlier. Um but the cohesion up front, the communication is obviously off. Mm -hmm. Whether it be the one guy who's coming back, Jonah Williams, getting beat off the edge, or Lyle Collins not blocking somebody at all like Micah Parsons, and that's not all on LC. That's also on Frank Pollock. That's on Zach Taylor. That's on everyone collective. And then, you know, people are tweeting back at me saying Burrow's holding on to the ball too long. Yes, that is happening sometimes, but I think that is a product of having a questionable offensive line that doesn't give you the confidence to get anything done um it's that that's why i'm a little more concerned than i thought i would be at a, if they were going to start and two which i didn't think was possible is the fact that it's not just one lineman's playing bad or the tight ends are playing bad it's they're not able to take any shots you heard jamar chase frustrated after the game yesterday that you know they didn't take any shots downfield yep. boyd Higgins didn't get targeted until the second half. Yep. Um, the I'm not a big fan of running under center on second and long. I know they're trying to open up the passing game by making some making some gains on the ground, but when you have one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver trio in the league, got to find a way to get creative to use them instead of in my you know I'm they get paid way more money than me but playing a lot of 12 personnel two tight end sets and running the ball under center on first and 10 second and long when you have Jamar Chase Tyler well, Boyd yeah and T look, Higgins look look they could have had Tom Brenneman Casey McAllister and Brandon Seho as their second third and fourth receivers yesterday for a half of that game and they never got into him but that's what I'm saying yeah I mean, what's the difference? The three of us could go out there and run pass patterns from now until the end of time. We don't get targeted. What the hell's the difference between us and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd? I mean, you don't I, even know they're on a team. I mean, I'm the next thing coming of uh, uh, Cooper Cup, but I don't know about you two. 
I will, I will say this. We got Zim on the line, so he's going to be able to check in in just a sec. I've got, you know, I've covered the team the last four or five seasons. Burrow tries to, he does a very good job at controlling his public image and how he sounds. You can tell he's uncomfortable on the field and annoyed talking about it after the game. The last thing I want to just show you, because this is the big difference between this year and last year, is Burrow's targets throughout the game, right? There's an image here. I'm going to just put it up here. Yeah, let's see it. Uh, right. So 24 completions. 18 of those completions are five to six yards. Five to six yards are 18 of his 24 completions. But Casey, he doesn't and have any time to let guys run 10, 12, the, 15 yards he, down the field to get open. But that's the thing. Last year, he would just take the ball and chuck it up and hope that Jamar Chase could go and make a play. And I understand that, you know, they're in cover too. But we have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Let them make a play against cover two. These two are one of the best receivers in the NFL. They're one of the best contested receivers and contested catch receivers in the NFL, and we don't use their strengths okay. currently. Currently. I, now I expect it to be different. And I hope it will change. But as of right now, uh, things just got to get better. They just got to get better. Well, I, I just continue to say they're not ready to play. Well, we got somebody That's, ready to play now. All right. I, I know Zim Hude's ready to play. And, man, I, I mean, our, our, um, our YouTube is blowing up. Andrew is saying, um, uh, I remember in 2019 when we ranked last in the league in separation. Said, I blame the wide receivers. He says, now I'm not so sure. It's not clearly on the coaching, the scheme, and the play designs. He says, Taylor's playbook is way too complicated. Um, We're not complicated at all. It's too bland. And then Les says, uh, coaching is the issue. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, look, nobody's more dialed in on the Cincinnati Bengals than our main man. Zim Hude, uh, Zim, you have been pretty much nonstop on Twitter going back and forth with uh, some of the fans out there. Before we get to that part of it, though, hey, lay it on the line for me, man. Uh, what are your thoughts, Owen, too? I asked the question at the beginning of this show, is it time to panic? I asked you, Zim Hude, is it time to panic? No, it is not time to panic. If I'm Zach Taylor, if I'm the players and stuff, the urgency level is at a scale on a scale of one to ten. It's got to be like nine and a half. You know what I mean? As, as a fan of the Bengals, I don't think it's panic time. I think the odds aren't in your favor, and I don't think that um, is very likely that you could probably come out of this unscathed. You know what I mean? But to think that the season's over, I'm not there yet. But from a from a coaching standpoint, they should be in panic mode, hitting buttons that they didn't think that they were going to have to push by week three. All right, so when you sit there and watch, and I ask Casey and I ask Brandon, I'm asking you, when you're sitting there and you digest this whole game and now you have, you know, not 24 hours, but let's call it 18 hours to look back on the whole thing, um, what one or two things weigh most heavily on your mind after watching that game? Just the lack of, like, 
what he was just saying, <laughs> it's the lack of like, people don't understand how crazy or how much more special our wide receivers are than 97% of the NFL. And the fact that they're not taking shots, like literally Joe Burrow had worse protection. Like I get it, like that's the storyline. And I don't think that the, the protection is good this year. It's particularly on the outside. The inside I think is okay. But that's what he did last year. Like, where was everybody? He just would throw the ball down the field. Fifty. He led the league in eleven plus touchdowns of fifty yards or more. Like he led the league in it, chucking it down the field. F it, Jamar's down there somewhere. Like that was a real thing. One on one situations. T. Super Bowl. Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. Cover two. It didn't matter. And that's how they won a lot of games. You look, it could have been 0-2 last season. But in the, in the Vikings game, what happened right before halftime? You just threw the ball into double covers to Jamar Chase. He makes a guy miss or whatever. And then, he, you know, like all this craziness that happened last year that I think some people attributed to luck. I just thought they were really skilled and they're a lot better. But you got to give them the opportunities to go do it. Well, look, um, we were just talking. What's been the reaction of most of the people that you are you are uh, exchanging ideas and opinions on in the social media world? Those that are Bengals fans, I know you got some whack jobs out there, and you know every goal, we know that. Okay, <laughs> but but I'm saying, what's what's the vibe? I mean, are, are they more upset with the coaching? Are they more upset yeah. with the offensive linemen? Are they most upset with the quarterback holding the ball too long? What 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 what's out there? I think it's more coaching. The the fire Zach guy coming fresh out the cave, you know. <laughs> and I'm not and, and I'm here yet because of just my personality. Like, I know I'm not smarter than Zach Taylor. I know I don't know how to call plays in an NFL like team, right? But I am smart enough to know that you aren't doing anything to confuse anybody on the opposite side of the field. I am smart enough to know that. But I am, I'm also smart enough to know you, the people that are like, fire Zach, like you don't really have a real legit plan. You're just frustrated that you lost. And when you lose, everything is magnified. But all these things were in our face last week. They weren't running the ball efficiently. There were a lot of different things that I felt like. I felt like Joe last week was taking the ball and putting it in harm's way and pushing the ball down the field. And everybody said, well, all you got to do is take what the defense gives you. So then this week, he comes with a plan and says, well, I'm going to take more sacks if I have to. I'm not going to throw the ball in harm's way. And when I got to make the, the, the key throws, I'm going to make them. And he did that to tie a football game up. I glued in on how good or so or how much you want your team to win and get the look on the opposite side of the field too credit dan quinn for coming up with a game plan that didn't make joe burrow feel comfortable credit dan quinn for moving micah parsons around and disrupting a football game a lot of people say well why don't you like and i was one of those guys why don't you double team micah parsons every single play you have y'all ever heard of this thing called illegal formation so once you're set, and then you run wide receivers in motion, like you can't just move blockers around and, and when you want to. And this Micah Parsons guy is going all over the field, and Joe Burrow wasn't feeling comfortable. I'm one of them guys that I blame a lot. I, I hated the coverage on special teams. I hated so many different parts of this game. And again, you still had a chance to win a football game. Um, 
I don't there was one big decision was Zach Taylor I didn't like and that was the one where he didn't go for it I think on fourth and yep. six yeah that's that's one of, that's one of those things though too he got the ball back and you still tied the game up now say you go for it on fourth and six it's almost reminds me of the touchdown call where he didn't challenge last week maybe you get that touchdown call and then you go and win the game but we'll never know maybe you go for it on fourth and six and then you come back again and score another touchdown we'll never know and I'm not really like a hindsight type of guy. So yeah. at the time, I was thinking like the the offense is in bad rhythm. If you don't if you don't convert this fourth down, you're putting yourself in a bad spot for the for the Cowboys to just take the victory and probably win by like ten points. That that was my initial thought. So I'm not really that mad. If it were me, I would have gone for it. But I think to answer your question, I know that was long winded. More people are like on Zach Taylor, and I and I think it's warranted. Well, I got to tell you, the, 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 you know, of all the things, it starts with not being ready to play. I, I thought the Cowboys going for it in their own territory in the first quarter on a fourth down and two. If that's not a statement being made by a head coach, and there are a lot of people that beat up Mike McCarthy, not only in Dallas, but all across the country. Mike McCarthy won a lot of games in Green Bay, and, and I don't yeah. think that he has a ton of talent in Dallas. Uh, but but clearly yesterday he had made the decision. Backup quarterback, uh, we're clearly an underdog in this game. The other team has a better roster. They got better talent. We're going to do whatever we have to do from an aggression standpoint to try and win the game. But I have to tell you, the thing that sent me off the reservation, the, the final two minutes of that game yesterday, you've got the best field goal kicker on the planet. You've got the ball where really all you have to do is get 35 or 40 yards to give him a last-second try at winning the game. It's already tied. You go first down. You go second down. Okay? And after the first down, you got the two-minute warning. Second down, and you're letting the clock run, 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 run. Afterwards, we hear this nonsense about the headset going out and weren't expecting pressure and all this kind of stuff. Right. Okay, they, they, they lost basically 35 seconds, I think it was, by the time they snapped the ball because they huddled, okay, and the clock's tick, 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 tick. Clearly the headset thing you find out later. But the bottom line is there was nothing that struck me like they were trying to win the game by going down the field. And with this offense and with those weapons, allegedly, how are you not trying to win the game? Let me ask you a question, though. This is I want to ask you a question. Don't you think that they were trying to make it so that the Cowboys didn't have that much time when they got the ball, whether they converted or not? They want to be the, the, They were attempting to be the last team with the ball, opposed to calling timeouts and then you're not successful and then you're giving the ball back to the Cowboys with like a minute. I'm 40. not disagreeing with you, uh, Zim, at all on that. I get it, but look, no, I'm asking the question. No, no, I don't no, no, know. no, 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 no. I, I know what you're asking, and it's a fair question. It's a legitimate question. Okay, there's no doubt about it. But 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 here's the bottom line, okay, in my opinion, is that what is your mindset about your team and the confidence in your team? If you have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and Hurst is turning out to be a really nice pickup, you got Jamar yes. Chase, you got Joe Burrow, I've got the ball. It's a third down and three coming up, okay? I'm saying to myself, if we got to punt it, we got to punt it. That's the way it goes. But, man, I'm going down fighting. And they run a one-yard, two-yard out on a third and three. 
Now you got to punt it, right? Okay, so, I mean, what's the difference? It's either playing to win or it looked like you were playing not to lose, meaning the punt to the Cowboys. Don't give them a chance to get it back. You ended up having to punt anyway. They got it back and he won a game, right? Yep. I agree. I I think, you know, Joe and a lot of people say, man, just get the ball out real quick and you watch plays like Hayden Hurst. I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate and I don't want to because I'm not like championing Zach Taylor right now. I hated that play call. But I think that there was a a rule of thought where I was thinking like, oh, God, here comes another third down. Get the ball out quick. I watched Hayden Hurst go fight, get those extra yards on one of my favorite plays, I guess, in the game, or I watched them do a different thing. I think that they were very afraid that they weren't going to be able to uh, block Micah Parsons. So he switched to, like, this route that I would have never thrown, like, right in front of the chain. I, I'm more upset with, like, first and second down, I think. Yeah, yeah. Than the third down, because I think the third down was, like, if you get into a drop-back situation with this dude, he's going to wreck. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I was very afraid of that, like a fumble or something like that. And I'm normally not even afraid of that. I'm just like, oh, it's Joe time. But I, I didn't. I just didn't feel comfortable. And, I, and I, I could tell they didn't feel comfortable. They were like, let's get the ball out really quick. And I think they thought they had a good play where Boyd could just run for the first. But I, I hate those type of clutch moments. Games. All right, last thing I have for you, Zim. Um, now the New York Jets. I mean, I thought this was a huge game, a Dallas game, to right the ship, one and one. Uh, Brought up earlier, you've lost now to Mitchell Trubisky and to Cooper Rush. My good friend Votch down in Dallas said, no, we lost to Micah Parkins and and, and the rest of that crew. Fair. But now all of a sudden, sudden the Jets, I mean, and, and, and their old nemesis, uh, at least during a decent-sized run. Joe Flacco looked pretty decent the other day, yesterday against Cleveland. This is yep. not a layup yep. all of a sudden, right? Nope. And I'm going to tell you, I think the defensive front for the Jets is like a top seven, top eight defensive front in football. Go ask the Ravens about that front uh, week one. Like the, And I mean, like our good old buddy Carl Lawson and those guys. You know what I'm saying? So. Yep. We're, we're watching games where we're literally losing up front, and then you're showing me a defensive front like that. I'm a little nervous, bro. Like, I think that we're the more talented team, but based off of what I've seen, I feel like this is another game where it's going to be so close, and it shouldn't be close at all. I, I don't really, you know, like, I haven't dived into it, you know, enough, but I do know that their defensive front is no joke. All right, Jim. Thank you for your time, my man. You always got my back. I got your back, brother. You take care of yourself, Appreciate all right? You, Tom. Best to your wife and it's your rough. son. Thank you. Is that your only it's child? It's rough out here. Your son? Yeah, that's my only. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, well Uzi. Tell, tell, tell little Uzi we said hey, all right? <laughs> all right. I appreciate you, Tom. It's rough all out right. here in this Twitter world, man. You be careful out there. I t- I t- I'm staying away from it. I brought up with these guys earlier. You know, a couple things that all of a sudden pop up, and I'm not very comfortable with it, you know, being a married man, that kind of thing. And I- I'm not quite sure what the hell's going on out there. It's rough. Yeah, it yeah. is. You want to tell them what it was? All right. No, I'm not. <laughs> Zim, have a great day, buddy. I'll catch up with you later in the week. My man. All Zim right. Hude. He has more people watch these clips of him that we have him on than anybody we have on. He's the man. man. He's the man. I love it. Love Zim. All right, uh, 
We have about uh, 20 minutes left in the program, maybe, maybe about 10 or 12 of conversations outside of commercial breaks and then our cherry on top. But uh, I, I want to get into this whole, um, this whole Tampa Bay, New Orleans thing. I made the comment to you guys, if you remember, that I have had the chance for many, many, many years of broadcasting a lot of NFL football games, 25 years. And I made the comment last week that when the NFC South teams play against each other, and look, you can make arguments for the you know AFC North and when they play each other, and all, but I'm telling you, the NFC South and the numbers bear it out. There's a different division winner every year, every single year, seems like, right until now Tom Brady shows up in Tampa Bay. Um, when they play one another, I mean, it's by the most narrow of margins. It doesn't matter whether Atlanta's good or stinks or Tampa Bay in the old days or New Orleans or Carolina now, not very good. Had a good run at it for a while there with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton. But they really don't like each other. And the two in particular that really don't like each other are the Saints and the Buccaneers. I did a game a couple of years ago when Jameis Winston was still playing for Tampa Bay. Now, of course, he's a quarterback in New Orleans. Um, where Mike Evans and Lattimore um, get into it, and it's a huge brawl, right? Huge brawl. One of the biggest we've seen in football in the last couple of decades. Well, yesterday, okay, I don't know how many of you had a chance to see this. Casey, you've got the tape, right? I now, do. this is Mike Evans we're going to show you. Great wide receiver. Marshawn Lattimore always gets locked up with him. Lattimore, one of the best corners in the league. Okay? So there's clearly some jawing going on here. Tom Brady is very upset. Somebody's jawing at him. Now watch what happens. Evans with a cheap shot here. Casey Evans came off and he just rocked Lattimore. Wouldn't be surprised to see some guys thrown out of this one here, KB. Yeah, New York can get involved and make decisions here. We told you earlier about Lattimore and Evans. They really don't like each other. They've had issues in the past. And that is really what got this going. And then Evans came on to heat it up. Flags everywhere. No, I, I, I like the fact you can see there that Lattimore's jawing Tom Brady. Okay, and nobody talks more smack in the NFL than Brady. It's one of the reasons I just love the guy. I mean, I love it. Because he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll beat you, wear you down, and then he'll remind you of it verbally after he does it. That's why I love Tom Brady. Love the guy. Um, that thing was ugly yesterday. It was. It was not a good look for the NFL. Not a good look at all. But that's, that, that's like you said. I mean, I had the chance to cover the Saints for two years. That's, that's where those, those NFC South games, they get wild. There's a lot of chirping going on. And when you got a guy like Tom Brady, and then you have Mike Evans in the history with him and Marshawn Lattimore, it, uh, it's not predictable, but it's, um, it's happened before. It's chapter two, and I'm sure there's going to be a chapter three. Well, they, uh, they will meet again. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first time that Brady has beaten the New Orleans Saints since he took over as quarterback in Tampa Bay. Well, I'd like to correct you. It's the first time Tampa Bay's defense beat the Saints. Okay, well, I'm just last... saying, with Brady at quarterbacks, first time he's beaten them. Yeah. Sean Payton's no longer there. He was on television yesterday over on Fox. 
Didn't see that. Yeah, what? He's, a great, he he's a great guy on the, on the Sean mic. Sean Payton. I mean, he, he's a big talker. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, when, when you go in to do uh, NFL games uh, and you're part of a broadcast team, uh, doesn't matter what network, if the game's being played on a Sunday, generally the MO is, and the way the whole thing works is, uh, you're there on Friday morning, you go to the home team practice. Okay, so let's say the Saints in this, in this case. You go in and you're there for their practice and you request ahead of time Normally, the head coach, um, you know, if it's the Saints, because Peyton's so intimate with the offense, you get their defensive coordinator. Uh, back in the old days, you'd have, you know, Drew Brees ask him to come in, maybe uh, Alvin Kamara come in, and maybe somebody on the defense come in. And you'd have, depending on the guy, how much he talks, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it might be. Uh, Friday night you stay, Saturday uh, you go visit the visiting team's hotel, you do the same drill all over again, and then you have a meeting Saturday night, kick it off on Sunday. I bring all this up because when the coaches walk in, uh, and, and, and they're no different than, than you and all your friends or your family, very different personality people, right? They're all head coaches, they're all grinding, but their personalities can be from here to here. And when Sean Payton walked in, he walks in with a depth chart, and he sits down because we want to know who's playing, who's hurt, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he'll sit there and, and, and walk in, shake your hand, smile, and he'll say, okay, boys, here we go. And he will literally go through both sides of the football, every player on the team, the strengths and weaknesses of every player, and the strengths and weaknesses of the unit in general. And you would just sit back there, and I would be amazed. At this guy, and, and, and not only his knowledge and intimate knowledge, which he should have of all of his players, but B, that he'd be willing to share all that, and that C, that he was such an incredible speaker uh, to have a conversation with, and, and he just laid it all out there on the line. You could pretty much go through that whole thing and not ask him another question. Um, and now all of a sudden, he's sitting out there, fellas, without a job. And he won a pile of games in New Orleans. Was that call in 2000 what was it 18 the worst call you've ever seen the no call oh brutal that had to be one of the worst things yeah. I, that was the, the playoff worst. game you're talking about yes yeah yeah pi yeah. clears a guy out yeah. nothing yeah brutal um but he, he yeah he's a great coach he's a great I, coach. I did not think he was going to walk away from new orleans i didn't either um but boy is he a good coach and he's sitting out there uh, and it won't be long until somebody out there uh, comes along to scoop him up. You know, conversely, just talking about personalities and when guys walk in a room, the most quiet, soft-spoken, very pleasant, a very pleasant man and a very pleasant human being, but very, very soft-spoken and doesn't have a ton to say is Andy Reid. Hmm. Been around forever. Uh, did a great job in Philadelphia. Uh, never won a Super Bowl. Uh, and they ran him out of town because of it. Uh, but now all of a sudden he goes into Kansas City, starts building that thing up, but could not be a more different person. That's why it's so interesting, those coaches, you know, uh, in any sport, baseball managers. You know, some guys have a lot of personality, or they used to anyway. I think they're all robots now. But, uh, but, but then a lot of them are just so quiet and soft-spoken and, and, and really have nothing much to say but can still be effective leaders. You guys have no input on that whatsoever? No, I do. I mean, I've not as much as you, but I've met with plenty of coaches, sure. managers, and 
you know, some guys are fiery. Some like say we'll go back to Sean Payton because I got to know him for a couple years. He's like some guys, very very intimidating when they're losing. Very personable and fun. Yep. When they're winning, I was there for. I think they had three straight seven and nine seasons. So that I had a seven and nine season to start, and second year was a Minneapolis miracle. So Minneapolis miracle year, very fun to work with Sean Payton. The year before, not so much. Yeah. Um, but that's just how guys are. They go back and forth. Um, Marvin was very monotone. I was only here for the back end of his career in Cincinnati. Um, just trying to think of guys that were. How would you describe Zach Taylor? Very honest. At, be, early on, I think he was very honest. I have I have a great relationship with Zach, so that's why I, I have it. Yeah, I, I have a hard time dogging him right away um, when this stuff hits the fan, but. The play calling hasn't been great. The offensive line play hasn't been great. It's two games in. Yeah. Um, no, but Zach's been very personable. And I think that's – and, Tom, you can probably hit on this too. When you're with a guy right when he comes in, like when you're reporting on that team or covering that game, it kind of helps you start that relationship. Yeah. I didn't have that with Marvin. I didn't have that with Brian Price. I had that with David Bell and with, with Zach Taylor, Coach Fickle, because I'm – you know, I cover those sure. teams for four or five years. So um, – yeah, I mean, you saw him. He, he had nothing but, to be honest, that first year in 2019 when they just got killed. Yeah, of course. And uh, so now they get to the Super Bowl. Now the heat's starting to come a little bit differently because yep. you've had that success. Um, we'll see how he handles it. Um, he's always been very upfront and available and in good spirits, I think, for the most part, sure. even when they were getting yep. you know killed those first two years. Yep. Uh, but that's one of the fun things in this business, and I think a lot of people don't get to see, is those relationships. And I'll give Zach... Taylor credit and I haven't really told this story before but after that first year him and I had a conversation afterwards and I just said you know I know it's a rough year thanks for being you know honest sure. some coaches will brush you off and be rude yep. he took the heat he answered every question and he reached back out to me and said yeah you were great to work with you know I know you're just doing your job so am I and we've had a great relationship for the last three four years There's no doubt. look nobody likes sitting here I don't like sitting here and, and, and getting on the coach. And, and Some people I, do, I think. Well, I, I, there are a lot of people that do. And, 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 I, and look, everybody's different in that regard. I don't like it because I want to see the guy succeed and see the team do well. Right. Um, but he knows it. It's part of the job, uh, especially when you start 0-2, uh, when you're favored by, what, seven or more points. I, I think I read uh, Ben Baby yesterday came up with a number, if I'm not mistaken. The Bengals are the first team in the Super Bowl era. So we're talking almost 60 years. First team in the Super Bowl area to start 0-2. In both games, they were favored by more than seven points. Yep, that's a stat. In the history of football. Wow. All right, we're back with a cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers in a moment. All right, welcome back. We're getting ready to tie a ribbon around our program today. Uh, Justin Fields, of all people, uh, signed in today on, um, on YouTube, on our, on our message board here, Justin Fields. And he says, get Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to my team, the Bears. I will get them the ball. I, I don't know if his offensive line uh, would allow him enough time to do it. Um, we even heard from Lamar Jackson Jr. They should have <laughs> <laughs> they should have taken more chances in the fourth quarter. Dallas was tired, and their rush cooled off. Uh, Dustin, thank you very much. Afraid Chase and Burrow are going to leave if this continues. Don't worry about that. They're not letting anybody walk out the door, those two guys. 
they might have to make some really tough decisions coming up on Boyd and Higgins and maybe those guys, but yeah. but not Burrow and Chase. Yeah, and Burrow and Chase are locked yeah. like their best. Well, friends. if they want to be here, that's a fair statement though. If they want to be here, I think we all agree the Bengals will pay them. The Bengals are as good as any franchise in the NFL. Of the guys they believe in, they give them contracts to stay here. They're really good at that. All right. So this is a surprise now. Our uh, Cherry on Top segment presented by our friends and great sponsor, United Dairy Farmers. Uh, anybody want to tee this up? Because I don't know what it is. You know what the gritty is? Of course I know what the gritty is. What, what are you kidding? Oh, I don't know. You didn't. <laughs> I, I, there was I, one I day in this office with my son and all his buddies out there when they scored touchdowns. Like two, I don't mean to throw you under the bus. Like two weeks ago, you asked me what SMH means. Well, I don't know what SMH, but I know what the gritty is. Shaking my head. What's SMAO or something? I saw that the other day. At, what is you it? mean LMAO? Uh, yeah. Laughing my ass off. Okay. See, I'm learning everything. Old dog, new tricks. It's the acronyms he's working on. He. he he knows dance moves, though. I do, and I can do the gritty. My son will tell you. All right, we got a wide shot after. We got a wide shot after. No, we'll do it. No, 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 no. We go practice a little bit. No, 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 All right, let's see it. What is this? Mike Chizeski, is that his name? I can't say his name. Mike Chizeski. He did a gritty after his big touchdown yesterday, and I don't think that's right. That's He's he's got to tone it up a little bit. It's not very good. Can you do better than that? Yeah, I can do better than that. All right. Casey, take the wide no, shot. No, no, no. We're not going to do it today. We're out of time. No, uh, no, no. We can get it. We're going to do this in the next few days. But And I will do it. I promise you. Um, well, what's wrong with the guy doing it? No, it was good. I mean, he's having fun. No, he's having fun. He just needs to touch it up. I think he bit. was just doing it to rub it in on the, on the, um, the Ravens a little bit because they've seen, Lord knows, they've seen Chase do it. Um, well, he had a huge game last year in Baltimore. Yes, he did. Every game he has a huge game. When they get in the ball. Oh, right. Well, that's the issue. They don't guy is the, the best receiver in the league. I mean, we, we, we talked about it the other day. If you had one guy to pick, one wide receiver to pick, we talked about this with Dan Hort on Friday. If you're starting an NFL team, your quarterback's going to be your number one position. But the next position you take, if it's a wide receiver, with his age, just turned 22, I think Dan said, there is no doubt. He is your number one pick at wide receiver for the future, building a team. Okay. Everyone in the chat says they're not going to leave until you do the gritty. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it today. I will do it tomorrow, I promise. I'm I just made and, that up, I'm but everyone's waiting. I'm going to practice a little bit. I need the practice. I mean, I'm an look, old look, white guy. Look, we have guy. the cam. I'm an old look, white we guy. have it. What, here, we've got the shot I ready. Mean, I, I see the shot, and I'll be ready. I mean, I am one of the great dancers of all time. <laughs> What's your best move? I saw the Jackson 5, okay? I grew up in a house where my family played Motown Let's all go. the time. That's my type of music. When I was, we were living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I was about eight years old. My mom took my sister and me to the Jackson 5 show I'm at Hampton Roads Coliseum in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Sat in about the fourth row from, from me to you right now away from the great Michael Jackson back in those days when he was a little kid. He was about 10 or 11 years old. A, B, C. One, two, three. The do, re. I, I'm telling you, I got to go on. All right, well, let's. All right, okay, let's, fellas, we, we will do this tomorrow. Thank all of you again. Uh, follow us on social media. Okay, here we go. 
got a little gritty going. Oh, that's a, that's look a at tired that. Gritty. Uh, that's that a mine's better than that, I can promise you that. For Casey, Brandon, I'm Tom. We'll see you tomorrow. Come back and join us. Have a great day.